I want to start today with a question that you can all join in and try and guess the answer. And uh, I'm going to, the, the question is, what invention has had the greatest impact on human history? What I'm going to do is I'm going to read an article from The Guardian. Just keep with me. I'm going to read an article from The Guardian, just a little bit. And that describes this invention that I think has had the biggest change. And as I read it, wherever you're gathering today, shout out the answer if you think you know it. And just, I've removed the inventor's name uh, just just, uh, because I think that might give it away. And so his or her name is going to be referred to as Sam. Are you ready? Shout out the answer if you think you know it. Ready? 30 years ago, Sam, then a fellow at the Physics Research Laboratory CERN on the French-Swiss border, sent his boss a document. The memo suggested a system with, uh, with which physicists at the center could share general information about accelerators and experiments. Many of the discussions at the future of CERN and LHC era uh, with the question, yes, but how will we ever keep track of such a large project, wrote Sam. This proposal provides an answer to such questions. Their solution was a system, clue here, called initially MESH. It would combine a nascent field of technology called hypertext that allowed for human readable documents to be linked together with a distributed architecture that would see those documents stored on multiple servers, controlled by different people and interconnected. It didn't really go anywhere. Sam's boss, Mike Sendel, took the memo and jotted down a note on top, vague but exciting. But that was it. It took another year until 1990 for Sam to start actually writing code. In that time, the project had taken on a new name. Sam now called it the World Wide Web. Did you get it? Sam is actually Sir Tim Berners-Lee, the man credited with inventing the internet. And the internet is an absolute game changer. It's hard to imagine something that's had such a profound effect on the world we live in. It changed the world then, and it continues to change the world today. I mean, just think about the impact it has had on the way you buy things, on the way we communicate. Uh, Think about your job. Think about your school and the way we learn. Like, where would I be without trying to train myself on new things with YouTube? Like, I'd 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 barely be able to do anything. Think about your home and the way you watch TV and and listen to music. Uh, Think about catching up on uh, news or sport or booking a holiday. Like, without the internet, no smartphone. Like, no Netflix, no Zoom, no tracking your children online. What? um, I mean... Imagine lockdown without the internet. Like, please, no, lockdown was bad enough anyway. The internet was an absolute game changer. It changed the world then, and it continues to change the world now. But what we read in the Bible today, what Matthew records for us, is an even more significant game changer. It changed the world then, and it can change your world today too. 
So turn with me if you've got a Bible. If not, we're just going to put the words up for you. We're going to read from Matthew 28 and the narrative of that Sunday morning. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see him. These Marys have followed Jesus around for years. They've heard him speak. They've seen him act. They've watched miracles that blew their mind. But then they saw him wrongfully convicted and arrested, executed in the most brutal way, and die in front of their very eyes, laid in a tomb with a stone rolled across the front. And they've gone to the tomb that morning to probably continue to process their sense of loss and grief and care for the body. And what we have just read is the scene that confronted them, like an angel that has come out of heaven and rolled this stone away and sitting on it. So scary was this scene that there are Roman soldiers that are frightened. They're so scared. They are literally frozen. And behind the stone that has been rolled away, there is a tomb that is empty. Can you imagine the scene? And then the angel speaks to them. Don't be afraid. I, I know you saw Jesus die. I know you saw him laid in a tomb. But you know where you left him? He's not there anymore. He's not here. The tomb is empty. He has risen. Come and see for yourself. Come and investigate. This is no illusion. Now go and tell his disciples. Go and tell his followers. He's not here. He is risen. And this statement becomes the cornerstone of what we believe, the turning point of human history. At the core of what we believe is an absolute game changer that changed the lives of those first eyewitnesses and can change our lives too. This man that you saw die, that you saw put in a grave, he is not here. He's not where you left him. He's alive he has risen from the grave. But you might be wondering, like, how, well, how does that change my life? How does it change their life? See, this passage is really good in telling us what happened, but it doesn't tell us too much about why. But a few years later, a, a man called uh, Paul, who, who encountered the risen Jesus, was, was engaging with a church where there were questions, can anybody come back from the dead? And in answering their question, Paul gives us a great insight on why the resurrection is so, so 
important. So we go to 1 Corinthians 15 where he's responding to this question. And he says, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. It is useless. You are still in your sins. Notice that he says, you're still in your sins if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead. See, one of the ways of seeing this is without the resurrection, we're still in sins. We are stained by sin. Just a few, uh, just a while ago, I was in the office for a really early morning meeting in a brand new white t-shirt. And I made the obligatory plunger of coffee because to get you through that morning meeting. And as I put the plunger down on the side without the lid on, this stray droplet of coffee, like where's it going to land? Right square in the middle of my white t-shirt. And no amount of scrubbing is going to get it off. It's stained. It's lost that sense of perfection. It's obvious for everyone to see. Nobody, you know, you can't hide a dro- even just a tiny drop of coffee in a brand new white T-shirt. And it's like sin. You know, the things we've done and we've said and we've thought that are wrong are like this coffee stain on the white T-shirt of our life. And no amount of scrubbing can restore us to perfection. But Jesus is alive, proving that his death has paid the price for sin. So that when we believe in Jesus, the stain is washed away. Everything wrong is removed. That sense of guilt goes. That sense of regret goes. The the, the price that was asked to pay has been paid. Isaiah says, though your sins were like scarlet, they will be white as snow. Jesus is alive. And the stain of sin is forgiven. But notice what Paul says. He says, you are still in your sins. And so we can talk about the stain of sin, but there's something deeper here. See, sin is more than just the things we do. It's, it's, a, it's a, the direction of our life, the pathway we are on. We're not just stained by sin. We are stuck in sin. Well, a couple of years ago, I got to go uh, to Florida and go on this roller coaster, the Hulk coaster, with my, uh, my, uh, my sister and my dad and Jenny, my wife and, and, and Jess. It's the first, biggest, like, fastest roller coaster Jess had ever been on. And Je- Jenny sort of gets FOMO if she doesn't join in with this sort of thing. So she has a sort of love-hate relationship with roller coasters. But this always happens. Whenever Jenny goes on a roller coaster, she gets in, the seat clips down, and she suddenly goes, oh, no. <laughs> I'm stuck. Even if I change my mind now, I'm going where this roller coaster is going. I am one with this track, you know. She can move her head and she can move her arms and and her feet, but she's not free. She's stuck. She's got a little bit of freedom, but where this roller coaster is going, she is going. And there's this little moment of panic where she realizes she's stuck. We are stuck in sin. We are stuck in it. Sin is rebellion against God. God creates the world. God creates humanity. And he says, this is how life is lived best. And Adam and Eve turn around to create a God and they're like, cool, nice idea. We think we know best. And every single one of us has done exactly the same ever since. It is rebellion against God and we're stuck in it. 
Where the resurrection, Paul says, you're stuck. Just like Jenny had to follow the path of that roller coaster, so we have to follow the path of sin and rebellion against God, and there is only one place that track leads, and it is death. But Jesus is alive. And so we no longer need to be stuck in sin. Paul puts it this way in Romans 6. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Do you notice Paul says we're raised from the dead and he links it to the new life because Jesus is alive. There's a new life to be lived. When we believe in Jesus, we are set free from this path that leads to death and released to live in a brand new way. It doesn't mean we always get it right. We will still make mistakes, but the trajectory of our life has changed. We're no longer on this path towards death. We're on a path to life. The trajectory of our life fundamentally changes because he's alive. And that's what happened for me. That's my story. In my early 20s, I was stuck in drinking. I was stuck in swearing. I was stuck in cheating on every single girlfriend I had. And I cannot really explain what happened. All I know is that I believed in Jesus. And he started a work from the inside out. He changed my heart so I didn't really want to do those things anymore. My life began to go in a brand new way such that I don't even recognize that man anymore. I was changed I was different. And it wasn't willpower. It wasn't rules. It wasn't a self-help book. All I know is that Jesus is alive and it changed my life and it can change your life too. And you know what? It's not just how we begin in following Jesus. It's how we continue too. All of us experience moments still where it's like I'm stuck again. I can't believe I've done that again. I can't believe I'm, I'm going through this pattern again. And we have the opportunity to say, God, I need your grace again today. I need Jesus to release me from this stuckness and continue to lead me in this brand new way. He is risen. And you're not stained by sin anymore. And if you believe in him, you no longer need to be stuck in sin anymore. We live, we walk in a brand new way. But Paul is not yet done. We go back to 1 Corinthians 15 and it says this. He says, he's talking about, you know, uh, if, if, if the dead aren't raised and this is the consequence, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Once you die, that's it. If only for this life, if only for this life, we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul is saying, if Jesus is not resurrected, the hope that we have is just for this life. Why? Because whatever Jesus taught, Whatever miracles he did, if he stayed dead, he failed along with every single one of us to deal with our greatest enemy, death itself. If our hope is for this life 
and this life alone. Our lives are all about maximizing the here and now. How much can you achieve? How much can you earn? How popular can you become? And even if we say, no, 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 I use my life to serve others, all we're really doing is saying, can I spend these years to, 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 to do something that makes me feel like I've contributed, to make sure, to, to make it feel like I've made a difference, but it's still confined to this life. If our hope is for this life alone, we have nothing to offer those for whom feel like their lives don't really measure up. If you are terminally ill, if you've wrecked every relationship you've ever had and find yourself alone, if you've seen everything you ever worked for fall and become nothing, if there is hope for this life, I have nothing to offer you. It just sort of sucks to be you. And even if you've achieved more than you ever thought you could, even if you've got more money than you know what to do with, even if you've been successful beyond your wildest dreams, if our hope is just for this life, then it's pointless because you will come to the end and realize you can take none of it with you. It has no answer at that point of death. For every single one of us, if our hope is just for this life alone, there is a limit to what we can hope for. If Jesus is not alive, he just becomes some sort of self-help guru whose, whose morals just seem outdated and who shouldn't be trusted because he claimed to be God and clearly he's dead, so he's not. But Paul isn't finished. He writes, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits, first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus is alive. And our hope for this life becomes a hope from eternity. Just as he was raised to life, he promises to raise you too if you believe in him. He's coming again for those who believe in him and they will be with him forever. If we have hope for eternity, it is so great that everything you've ever strived for, everything you've ever achieved, everything that has ever hurt you will pale into insignificance compared with the glorious eternal future that he has for you because he has conquered death. He's not here. He is risen. You don't have to be stained by sin. You don't have to be stuck by sin. And your hope isn't just based on here and now. It stretches out into a glorious eternity. If this is true, it changes everything. But has it changed your life too? I think the internet changed everything. But you could live life pretending it it, it didn't. You could say it's fine for everyone else, but I don't need that. I'm going to continue to go to shops to buy all my clothes. Thank you very much. I'm not going to order takeout. I'm going to go down there and order it myself. I love being in a queue. (laughs) I don't want a phone or or email. Uh, If you want me to come to something, write me a letter. Google Maps, you're having a laugh. I've got my trusty A to Z. It's never let me down yet. And suddenly you're back in days like me, like early 2000s, trying to find a new client, trying to find a client that I've never been to, like driving down the road with the A to Z on my lap. I'm in a different country now. They can't arrest me for it. Okay. You see, you could live life pretending the internet isn't real. But it wouldn't make it any less true or any less world-changing for everybody else. It is the same with Jesus. He has risen. He has 
done these things. He is changing the lives of people who believe in him. The question is, will you live like it's true for you? The angel invited the women to, to come and see. They did, and, and they went and told these, the disciples who came and saw and believed for themselves. And there is this invitation for every single one of us. Come and see. He's alive. Let it change your world today. Will you believe in Jesus today? Will you let this news change your life like it's changed my life and so many people I get to do life with? Will you let him wash away the guilt of your sin, the stain of your sin? Will you let him free you from that stuckness of being in rebellion to the one who made you and gave his life for you? Will you... Let him give you hope for eternity. He paid with his life on the cross to open up that opportunity for you. Will you believe it today and respond to it today? I want to lead us in a prayer in a moment where you talk to God and you say, I believe. I want to follow Jesus. But also just before I do so, I just want to invite one more sort of group of people into this prayer. And that's those of you who believe in Jesus. But it's sort of been out here. It's not really changed you. You still feel that guilt. You're still stuck pretending like there's no, there probably isn't freedom from the thing that you're stuck in. If, if that's you, you haven't met Jesus. You don't know Jesus. He changes stuckness. He brings freedom. He can bring freedom to your life today. I believe as you can believe in Jesus and still try and do everything you can or, or be depressed by, by how your life doesn't really measure up. You're, you're wrecked with comparison because you don't feel you measure up. And what you need is to, 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 to put your life in the hands of Jesus today and enable him to open your eyes to the glorious future so that all of the things that you're depressed about just fade into insignificance. Will you put your trust in him today? Let me pray. If you're praying this for the first time, let me just give you some simple words. God, thank you that you sent your one and only son to die for me. Jesus, thank you that you didn't stay dead, but you rose again. I believe that today. And I pray, wash away the stain of sin. Free me from this stuckness and open my eyes to an, an eternal hope that enables me to live in a different way. Today, I give my life to you. And thank you in this moment, you give me your spirit to change me from the inside out. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. And I thank you in your name.